Welcome to In the Isles, the movie and TV podcast that requires you to have a vaccine passport, a recent COVID test and the IMDb app. I'm James Rothwell. I'm Dan Acton. This week we'll talk about what we've been watching. We'll talk some real news and our main review is Chaos Walking starring Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley. James, the end is near but we're still waiting. We're, we're still waiting to get out of lockdown. Whilst we wait, what's been happening to you? Well, spending a lot of time in the house means that I've got a lot of time to listen to my neighbours' music and listen to the bass-heavy music that they listen to. And I've banged on the wall a few times. I've shouted out the window, turn your music down. That's not worked. So what I did was, right, I lay back on my sofa, which is against the wall. And I didn't just stamp both feet on the wall. I was rolling myself back and forth to maximise the impact and make the whole flat rumble with the force of it. And then they turn the music down. <laughs> Result. Result. Even my wife was looking at me saying that after like the fifth time, she looked at me and was like, that's enough. That is enough now. But I did it maybe 15 times. Oh. <sighs> <sighs> I'm I'm pleased for you. I've had that happen to me, by the way. I'm I'm not the sort of neighbour who has blatant disregard for anyone around me. So hopefully there's more people like that. Because when it got done to me, I never really existed freely in my house ever again. I was conscious of every little sound that I made. So you can only hope that your neighbours now live in fear. Sometimes you get pushed to the limit. Like Jennifer Lopez, enough. What an obscure reference. Last week it was the Olsen twins and it takes two. And now that, fair enough. Somebody somewhere will have got that one. Right. From annoying neighbours to what you've been watching. What's on your watch list this week, James? I watched the trailer for this and I thought it looked so good that I decided to watch it on Disney Plus. Raya and the Last Dragon, the children's animation film. It's about Raya tracking down. What do you think she's tracking down? Her identity. The Last Dragon. <laughs> yep, clue is in the title. No be... No, it was. Yeah. Yep. She's trying to track down the Last Dragon to fight evil monsters that have plagued the land. They've re-emerged after 500 years in hiding. She makes friends along the way, learns about trust, and learns about the need to dissolve nations and become one world with one government. The animation is high quality, which is to be expected, but it's also beautiful. I enjoyed just having the images in my eyes. The voice acting with Kelly Marie Tran of The Last Jedi fame and Gemma Chan is also good. You can hear the effort they're putting into it. It really makes a difference. It is a formulaic story. It is a family film. But I, a mid-30s adult male, enjoyed it a lot. I was genuinely touched and moved by the ending. So I give a strong recommend for this. The Rotten Tomatoes critical summary is completely accurate for me. They've got it right, the 94% rating on there. The people that wrote and made and starred in Riot and the Last Dragon should have made the Mulan live-action film. And is, is it a Pixar film, this? It's not a Pixar. It's Disney Animation Studios. Right. Okay. Okay. 
and part of the free Disney subscription this or did it arrive at an additional fee? This is an additional home premiere fee like Mulan okay. and Black Widow. Will probably become apparent more towards the end of this episode. But we're plowing a lot of money into this podcast with what we're watching to bring you the latest and the greatest. Greatest, I should probably admit. Um, again, we'll discuss later on. Good, good. Raya and the Last Dragon, available on Disney Plus for an additional fee. What else? I watched the college admission scandal on Netflix, which is about the college admission scandal in America, where rich people paid for the kids to get into college. This was a kind of companion piece to Last Chance You basketball for me, discussed in episode 43. In Last Chance You, the young people in that are scraping for every inch of opportunity to get somewhere else, usually college and college basketball and the very sympathetic characters. In the college admission scandal, it's rich kids and the parents pay money to get wherever they want. It's those two different sides of the, the coin, the class coin. And what was shocking about the college admission scandal is that some of the kids don't even know what's happening. The adults paid for it. Did you know this? The adults were paying to have these tests done in secret and have the tests swapped out and getting on a sports scholarship but they didn't tell their kids because they didn't want the kids to lose their confidence. They let the kids believe that they were good enough. What's that teaching them? Jeez. No, I didn't know it was to that level of uh, deception. Okay. So they've deceived their own kids as all this has gone on. It's primarily reenactments of transcripts of phone calls. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So it's actors doing the scenes of these real phone calls with actors, familiar actors. One of them was in WandaVision. And it's surprisingly entertaining because it is well acted. But it's also infuriating because of what's going on and people paying to get what they want. In general, though, Netflix documentaries are quite hit and miss, aren't they? Yeah, no, I I think that's fair to say. I've noticed with some of them that they're well made, but it does seem like reading out Wikipedia articles with nice footage over the top. Did you watch Spycraft? Can't say I've ever heard of Spycraft, if I'm honest. It's the one where they talk about different memorable techniques and gadgets that spies have used throughout history. Yeah, it does ring a bell. I never watched it, but I heard about it. It was really good, but it is just presenting the facts with experts repeating the facts to camera with nice footage over the top and the age of samurai documentary which granted i did only watch one episode of was this is the exact history laid out for you with some nice footage over the top there's no angle it's not exposing anything it's a plain here you go here's the information and that that's probably fair criticism but i suppose in this day and age not everybody really wants to get up to speed with making themselves more informed by reading. So I suppose this is just a lazy way in for those people, myself included, to just educate oneself. Yeah. And well, I include myself in that as well, because I loved Spycraft. (laughs) Very clearly aimed at me, just gadgets and talking about people doing cool things. There's one episode that talks about the poisoning of Sergei and Yulia Skripal in London. No, it's not in London, in Salisbury which I'm sure you remember from the news. And it's a really 
scary, horrifying story and that people died and were admitted to hospital, but it's talked about as, and then the Russians did this and they didn't know and they were leaving a trail everywhere they went, flashing edits, lots of exciting footage. It was a bit insensitive, but still well made. Did you watch, out of interest, the dramatisation of the, the Salisbury poisonings? No, I didn't. I didn't know there was one. Yeah, it's a, either a BBC or ITV joint, but it was supposed to be very good, but I never watched it. I was just curious. Just two things. Give us more, if there is more. One last quickie. Shooting Joe Exotic on the BBC, which is the Louis Theroux feature-length documentary. Did you watch this? I haven't watched this, but I'm intrigued because, well, I'm sure you'll go on to it, but I don't know if this is reusing footage from his old documentary that he did for the BBC or if it's something brand spanking new. It uses the old footage from 10 years ago when he visited Joe Exotic, but he does do new footage as well. He went to America again, and it shows him watching the old footage and commenting on it. You do have to watch Tiger King on Netflix as well, of course, to understand it. It's a kind of depressing coda to Tiger King. Louis Theroux visits the park that is now owned by Carol Baskin, the Tiger King Park, and it's completely decimated. There's no animals in it. They've destroyed it and put graffiti saying, like, kill Carol Baskin, you're going to die. And that's the best part of it because it's like this complete decimation. There's nothing left. All the glamour is gone. No one can speak to Joe Exotic or the main cast because Netflix have the rights to their story. And I can imagine there being disappointment over this documentary, Shooting Joe Exotic, because you don't see anything new from the cast. They don't talk to the main players. But Louis Threw makes the documentary about that. It's about stumbling into this situation where these people are basically owned by Netflix and there's another layer of weirdness on top of the whole story. Worth watching. Okay. I think I will give it a go. What have you been watching? This week, not content with spending £15 on Chaos Walking, I spent another £5 on a film called Happily on Amazon Prime. Have you heard anything about this? Sadly, no. Okay. That might work in your favour. Who knows? It's an odd little film. It's described as a dark romantic comedy in which characters Tom and Janet have been happily married for years, 14 to be precise. But a visit from a mysterious stranger leads to a dead body, a lot of questions, and a tense couples trip with friends who may not actually be friends at all. The couple at the centre of this, they are played by one, Joe McHale, who most people will know from Community, if you've ever watched it. He's a good actor if all that's demanded of him is playing the one and only role that he has ever played. And as I say, he's the husband in this marriage duo, and he does so with enough conviction that I thought he was perfectly serviceable. Uh, But hopefully, as I've insinuated, it's not a stretch for him because this is all he can do. Killer bod, by the way. Sorry, just got to throw that in. Um, not my, it just looks very, he's a, he's a very chiseled man. Anyway, sorry, Carrie Bish. She plays the wife. I've never seen her in anything before, but she's very charming. And the chemistry between them 
is it's there. You can see it. And that's quite paramount to this film working because the first half an hour of it is an ongoing joke about how perfect they are as a couple and how it's sickening to every single person around them. After all, they've been married for such a long time. Why would they still get on so well? It's just not normal. They have sex, any available opportunity, regardless of where they might be, including at the very start of the film. They do it in their friend's bathroom because why not? As I've said, you can imagine the friends, this constant affection and passion for one another, it's just nauseating. So they decide to uninvite them from a couple's retreat because, quite frankly, they've just had enough of it. It just makes people feel threatened and it causes them to question their own relationship. So they'd just rather not have them in the mix at all. There is a really funny bit in the film, actually, where they get told by another couple that, oh, you're not invited to this couple's retreat. And she, Carrie Bish, is comforting Joe McHill's leg under the table. And one of the other couples is like, are you touching his dick? Just because they will find any opportunity to be sexual with one another. You have to see it really for it to work, but it's, it's quite funny. Anyway, following this, an event occurs which results in somebody ending up dead in the couple's home. In the midst of this chaos that ensues, their friends do a 360 and they reinvite them to the weekend away. And then that leads to the story of the couple navigating, keeping up this facade of, of happiness, whilst also deliberating how to keep this death a secret. And they're also questioning whether some of their friends are aware of what they've done because of some of the things that are going on whilst they're aware with them. As with most films I tend to talk about, to delve any deeper than I already have would be to spoil it, so I shan't. I said it's an odd film at the start of the review because it is tonally a bit all over the place, but it's not actually a criticism in this case. It starts off as a comedy, it veers towards then being a dark thriller, then leads on to something perhaps supernatural and sci-fi, perhaps it's not all the while retaining a comedic undercurrent in the background throughout. I think it's always quite a tough ask, melding a number of different genres together, and I always admire films that even lightly delve into this territory because it's such a tricky balancing act. This is far from a resounding success across the board. The big failure of the film is that the message come the climax is just too ambiguous. I don't quite know what he's trying to say. But there's enough creativity and originality to make it feel as though it's being ambitious in comparison to a lot of the things that we tend to see these days. I had problems with it, for sure, but I did overall like it. I rented it for under a fiver. What was I really expecting? Not as much as I got. I do find it a bit worrying that this is another PVOD release um, that's been released on streaming services, and it's only through checking Joe McHale's IMDb filmography that I found out this film existed. It wasn't through just navigating through Amazon and going, oh, this is available for rent. And it did make me wonder how many other films like this are just disappearing without anyone knowing about them. There's another example of this. The Kid Detective is a film that I've been looking forward to for quite a while. I don't even know where I first heard about it, but it stars Adam Brody, who played Seth in the OC. And it's had quite a good reception from critics and I thought oh the 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 plot interests me I'm gonna look out for that had no idea it's out until I started going what else is there in the background that I don't know about so I do think it's quite worrisome that a lot of these films are just not visible to people 
and probably aren't get, getting the audiences that they deserve. And that's hence the reason why I'm calling it out and say, give Happily a chance because you may well like it. Very good. That sounds good. I think Possessor might be another example of that because even when that came out, you did have to search for it on Amazon and it wasn't even the first result when you put in Possess. <laughs> I think you're right. There are films that are coming and going. Mm. And more to your point on that, I couldn't tell you a single person, granted I don't see as many people these days, but I don't know anyone other than me and you that has seen it. Yes. I think that kind of validates your point there. What else have you been watching? I'm going to give you another two, but keep them a bit shorter. First off is Bad Trip on Netflix. This is newish. I think it was released in the last few weeks. It's a film by Eric Andre. I know nothing about this guy. Upon a bit of research, he's had his own comedy central series for the best part of a decade. Americans love it. I've never seen it. Can't comment. I think he's one of those people, and I may be completely wrong on this, but he's made an impact in the US, but he's never really gone global or international, shall we say. Not everyone knows about him. Do you know him, for example? I primarily know him from the Let Me In meme. Even I don't even know what you're referring to. But Okay, that's fine. That's fine. So the setup for this is, is basically another Borat-like experiment. It's a series of sketches or pranks that are stitched together using a very basic plot of, in this instance, a man sees his high school crush and he sets about pursuing her across America with his best friend along for the ride. On the way, as you would imagine, they run into various awkward social situations around which they've framed some sort of prank. The sketches themselves, they're really well thought through, I thought, and quite clever in places. If I was to describe any of them, I'd be giving you the punchline to the joke, so I won't do that here. You can imagine, though, if I'm saying it's Borat-like, you know exactly what sort of film you're getting because it's very close to what Borat is. I'll say similar things that I said when we were reviewing Borat because I'm cynical by nature. I had a feeling that not everything was as it was being presented to me, as in, are these people in on the joke? Are they just innocent bystanders? Half the joy in this sort of comedy is seeing people's real-world reactions to the absurd, but I just don't know what was genuine and what wasn't. If the majority of it is authentic, then my word, they've captured some really good stuff here. It rivals anything that the last Borat film did, and I know that we were quite middle of the road on it i don't think we were like oh it's amazing but i think there were some really good sketches in there it's not to be taken seriously by its nature but it's good at what it does there's some thought been put into the setup of the pranks as i say uh, and if you like borat it's more of that so it's well worth your time thank you for that i thought it was some old gross out comedy about going on a holiday so i'm interested now that you've said that yeah, I want to, I would I didn't lol, I did not lol, but I've heard that I'm in the minority on that, so I'd be interested to see what your reception to it is. So give it a watch, please. Okay. What else have you been watching? Last one, brand spanking new, also on Netflix, is Run. Um oh, it's a weird one, this. I was probably more excited about this film than anything in recent memory. And that's because it's the next directorial outing for Anish 
Chaganti. I probably have butchered that. He directed 2018's Searching, which I'm sure, in fact, I'm confident I've raved about that on this podcast before. Not going to go war and peace on it, but it was a film that was presented to you in a very, again, inventive way. It's shot purely through modern technology, whether it's a laptop screen or a mobile, and it's using FaceTime, yada, yada, yada. It was really clever in how it was executed, and it was a compelling story too. So I, as I say, was really hyped for this, and it's yet another thriller. It's about a girl who has been homeschooled all her life by a mum, who is played by Sarah Paulson of Ratchet and American Horror Story fame. The girl starts to suspect that her mum is hiding a dark secret from her, and the mystery plays out from there. I'm sure this will be in the trailer. It's not a spoiler. It's basically a Munchausen by proxy type of scenario. If you want to see a real life story of that, go and watch the act instead of this. That's all I'll say. There's some interesting set pieces that are rather nail biting and fun. It didn't, you know, bore me, but it does step into the ridiculous on more than a few occasions. It uses a lot of standard horror and thriller movie tropes, which I'm a bit weary of at this point. And you can imagine it, me as well, horror and thriller. I've seen it all, so you've got to bring something new. And that's probably why I didn't respond well or as well to it as some people. I think the other thing that's hampered my enjoyment of it is just how much I loved the director's previous film. But not everyone's going to come into this film with that sort of baggage. So, you know, it feels very run-of-the-mill in comparison, but overall, the reception to it has been really positive. So I Again, I'm probably in that minority. I'm not going to go as far as saying I wouldn't recommend it because I had a fun enough time with it. I think it's quite effective. I was just expecting more and came away feeling a bit disappointed. But as I say, not going to be the case for everyone. That's run on Netflix. Munchausen by proxy. Is that the condition in which a caregiver creates the appearance of health problems in another person, typically their child? This may include injuring the child or altering test samples. How you were able to rhyme that off the top of your head, I don't know, but it's exactly that, James. Yeah. Look at you being clued up. Yeah. It sounds good. Is it good? Did you say it's good or not? It's problematic, but it's fun enough. It's a fun ride. It's a fun, jolly old run. run. Okay. It's a light-hearted jog. <laughs> Do you want to go from a funny old run to not funny new real news? That was, yeah. That was the worst one. <laughs> yeah. It's the real thing. It is now real, real news, news. I found a website that is new. So it's news website called movieofthenight.com. If you put in criteria, it will search streaming platforms, Netflix, Prime Video, and Disney for that thing. For example, if you put in Carrie Mulligan, Netflix, five, Prime Video, four, Disney Plus, one. So you know where you're going to find your Carrie Mulligan content across the different platforms. That's, that's really useful. That. So tell me an actor and I'll tell you how many films they've got on the different platforms. <clears throat> Rachel Bilson. That's two former OC stars mentioned this week. Rachel Bilson's got two on Netflix. 
but when you press on it, it only comes up with How I Met Your Mother, three on Amazon Prime Video, and then two on Disney+. Plus. So there you go. If you wanted to watch Rachel Bilson films or TV, you'd know exactly what to look for and on which platform. Okay, let's let's do an interesting experiment now. Who's who's hot right now? Who's in everything at the moment or over the last few years? Michael B. Jordan. Never heard of him. From Creed. Oh yeah, sorry. No, and he was uh, in Fantastic Four as well, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Go on. Two on Netflix, four Prime Video, six Disney Plus. Right. Okay. That's that's quite useful then. It's almost an extension of another app that we've recommended before. Real good. Is it real good? It is, yeah. Real good spell R E E L. Because <laughs> <laughs> it is useful. We'll tell you what films are streaming on which platform. So use the two in tandem. You may uh, you may find exactly what you want. Very good. I'll, I might download that and have a play around later. It's a website, movieofthenight.com. Sorry. What news have you got? An interesting one that I'm very excited for. So news arrived more than a week ago, but I've only just found out, that Netflix is commissioning two additional Knives Out sequels featuring the character Benoit Blanc from the original Knives Out, played by Daniel Craig. He will return to solve yet another mystery. Details are sparse at the minute in terms of what the plot may be. I am slightly concerned about how this will play out because I think it was it was a very unique, I was going to say unique concept. It wasn't then. It was more of a pastiche of that concept. You know, old murder mystery in a mansion a la Cluedo type thing or Clue, the film to be precise. And it works for sending up that sort of, of plot and, you know, being a bit tongue-in-cheek. So I don't know how it will mirror the, that success again, but I am intrigued because I did really like Knives Out. I think we both agreed at the time it was extremely well-plotted and well-thought-out, so I'd like to see more of a continuation of that for sure. Two sequels as well, two, with all the... Well, with the main guys coming back, Rian Johnson, director of The Last Jedi, and Daniel Craig, I understand it, that they're both coming back. Uh, yes, yes, that's correct. He will direct them as well. Do you want to hazard a guess at how much Netflix has put against this? These two sequels? $200 million. $450 million. Which is a lot for this type of film, isn't it? That is a lot. Knives out, more like wallets out. <laughs> So sharp, so sharp there, straight in. But that's 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 all I've got because it's very flat in the film news world. There's nothing really of interest happening, and that's why we've chosen these two mildly interesting stories. <laughs> so shall we just forget it and move on to our main review? Yes. Hello, I'd like to order an opinion, please. This film is new, fresh point of view. Hold me sit back, this is a fact. We in the aisles, here are some aisles. Thoughts in sync, tell you what to think. I'll listen to you, but please don't rap again. This week's main review is Chaos Walking. That was a terrible crash. Look 
Whoa, stop. Don't come any closer. Mm. It's a girl. Girl, girl. Oh my gosh, girl. I'm sorry. No, no blonde hair. I've just never, never seen a girl before. Who are you? It's so loud here. We call it the noise. Happened to all the men on this planet. Every thought in our heads were on display. In one of the most epic Hollywood screw-ups of all time, the same film rights are sold to two competing movie studios at the exact same time. One stayed true to the source material and adapted it into the film News of the World, reviewed on this podcast, a critically acclaimed story about a man saving a girl and travelling with her across a treacherous, lawless landscape in search of a better life. The other studio, realising that Tom Hanks had pipped them to the post, made a last-minute scramble to throw people off the scent. They lowered the age of the protagonist and made him beard-free. They opted to increase the girl character's age to that of a woman. Not confident that this was enough to avoid a media shitstorm, they bought the rights to another book called The Knife of Never Letting Go, a sci-fi novel that allowed them to pretend it wasn't based on news of the world in the first place. To fully cement the deception, they changed the title to Chaos Walking, a title that, if all news reports are to be believed, probably would have been more apt if titled Chaos Filming. In the not-too-distant future, Todd Hewitt discovers Viola, a mysterious girl who crash-lands on his planet, where all the women have disappeared and the men are afflicted by the noise, a force that puts all their thoughts on display. In this dangerous landscape, Viola's life is threatened, and as Todd vows to protect her, he will have to discover his own inner power to unlock the planet's dark secrets. James, a dystopian future with a westerner vibe and sci-fi elements at play, one might think that this film was purely made for your viewing pleasure, right? As is tradition, I will say that I haven't read the book that this is based on. It's a trilogy, apparently, that is supposed to be very good, award-nominated, critically acclaimed. This plot is both simple and incomprehensible. Girl lands on a planet, take the girl to a safe place, call her ship, then everything will be good. But why does anyone do what they do? No one behaves in a way that makes any sense. Why does the mayor want to take over the planet? What does taking over the planet mean? Why does Daisy Ridley, Viola, act like a naive alien when she's supposed to be a fully trained, intelligent, modern astronaut? The last film based around a chase that had this little urgency, funnily enough, was The Last Jedi, also starring Daisy Ridley. Tom Holland and Daisy Ridley plod along, have a rest, have a chat, and every now and again, there's some men on horseback hanging around, having a chat, until, oh, it's the end, let's have everyone find each other now for the last action scene. The premise of the noise, men projecting their thoughts and women not, is the worst idea ever for a film. It's so annoying and it seems to come and go when the plot suits. Is there some kind of message there about gender dynamics reversing? I don't know, because it doesn't explore the implications or the comedy of the premise. Think what women want with Mel Gibson. Are you telling me that a young man who has never met a woman in his life meets Daisy Ridley and romantic thoughts only spill out a handful of times? It's completely implausible. And he's never met a woman before. So his reaction seemed quite 
commonplace with with how people would react but that wouldn't be what happens if you never met a woman before in your life right right and he would be thinking things a lot worse than what is presented in the film it's shot in a forest which makes it seem really cheap it's dull boring bland i can't believe this cost 100 million dollars shut your mouth you've been serious Wikipedia tells me that, the source of facts. Wow. Tom Holland, you're better than this. Just move on. Forget you ever made it. Daisy Ridley, I'm worried for her. I think she's good as an actor. This role isn't very good. But what if she's the Mark Hamill of the new Star Wars and she's never going to be in anything good again? According to Wikipedia, she's got a lot of films in pre-production. I hope some of them are good because this is a massive failure. Daniel, what did you think of Chaos Walking? Nowhere near as well. Struggling to find the word, but your review was informative for me. I can't say I dissected it to that level, so I'll just come at it from a different one, albeit touching on some of the same points. The, the opening five minutes is the most disorientating introduction to a film that I've seen in some time. You've got hearing people's inner thoughts and visions extraterrestrial creatures, otherworldly auras or halos around people's heads. I did not know what was going on. The film then didn't recognise that and helped me out. It threw me in at the deep end, no explanation, and then ignores any form of exposition apart from a quote at the beginning, which offers nothing for at least 20 minutes. At that point, you get some background information. There was a war the Spaggle, Speckle, Spiegel, whatever it's called, it doesn't even matter. They overran this colony and killed all the women. For some reason, after this, as you mentioned, every surviving man's thoughts were on display for everyone to see and hear. If there was ever a criteria for making a film bland, I would encourage people to replicate this film. I described Godzilla v Kong last week as a film that left me feeling cold. I, I didn't care a lot about what was going on. Upon watching this, my feelings for that film are very deep and profound in comparison. It's hard to believe that this comes from a man who brought us a film as good as The Edge of Tomorrow. It lacks any thrills. It's just very, very boring. The world building is awful and not very well realised at all. It's littered with plentiful, interesting concepts or ideas, but it criminally does nothing with any one of them. Not one of them. There's this idea of the noise, as both me and James have said, and, and you can hear people's inner thoughts. And I, my internet might have been battered at the time, but the quality was quite poor for me and it was a bit pixelated. And it might be because of that, a bit of a harsh and unfair criticism, but I thought the effects when they were there were pretty low standard. This effects of people's thoughts being represented through these weird little bubbles, it looked like furry liquid bubbles. And I just thought, this looks lame. And I get that the inner workings of your mind and how you formulate thoughts is probably a fragmented process that the brain just naturally puts into sentences, but there was nothing relatable about how it was presented to you. So I don't go, oh, this is actually what goes on in my brain when I think, do, do you understand what I mean? It was just a repetition of words and it just wasn't something that I clicked onto. Again, in terms of stuff that's just peppered in there for no reason, there's a preacher 
he spouts cliche prophetic dialogue. I know your truth. Weakness rots from within. Only noise can be light in the darkness. What are you talking about, man? It's it's a feeble attempt to add some sort of religious context to this community of people, but it's not explored, and it actually seems as though he's some lone individual off doing his own thing. He's not linked to this community. I don't understand it. Further to that, I don't know who is in this colony. I don't know what the relationship to one another really is because it's not explained. The only thing that was consistent with this film was its ability to irritate me and my constant disinterest in it. If you'd have heard my thoughts during this, it would be, why am I watching it? This is absolute garbage. Turn it off, turn it off. Why are we reviewing this? Why the fuck did you pay £15 for this? Why do you want to do this with your life? You're a failure. The last two can be ignored. If they had to reshoot some of this in order to make it more palatable to audiences, God only knows what the original cut of this was. This is just plain bad. Bad, bad, bad. Hashtag release the Lyman cut. <laughs> I, no, I don't want to see that. I don't ever want to put myself through an ounce of this again. Not a single scene. It holds 23% critics rating on Rotten Tomatoes, so we agree with the critics there. 71% audience. What? That was shocking to me. Shocking. I just think it must be Tom Holland fangirls giving it a high rating because he eventually takes his shirt off, his coat off to reveal a vest and you can like see the side of his pecs. <laughs> You're probably right because I can see no other explanation from that. I, I don't I don't know what else to say. Every Tom Holland film we've covered in the last six months has a Tom Holland voiceover, but none as irritating as this and as poorly yeah. conceived. It is awful. I mean, he says stuff at points. Bro- broken leg. He's broke his leg. It's a girl. A girl. They're not adding anything. I just found it so annoying. Do you agree? It just It was... It's awful. It was absolutely awful. Very, very annoying. I'm Todd Hewitt. I'm Todd Hewitt. I'm Todd Hewitt. I'm Todd Hewitt. I never wanted to hear that name again for the rest of my life. And that's the last, one of the last things that's said in the film. Like, don't say that name again. It comes and goes. Like I say, it comes and goes. If it really was the case that all your thoughts were being projected out, you would never stop. Hmm. But it's only like when they deliberately think something that it does come out. And the idea that you can create images as well. Some people, like Mads Mikkelsen and Tom Holland, and maybe his father, have the ability to make holograms, basically. So you can make barriers shoot out of the ground, or you can imagine Daisy Ridley kissing you. In full HD, she looks completely real, which is surely something you would do all the time if you could do that. But that's not explained. That isn't explained. It, no one even talks about the fact that some people can do it and some people can't. But that that's the case for every single aspect of it, isn't it? I, I've got to confess, I felt I don't feel well informed coming into this because it's the same thing that I suffered with Godzilla v Kong. Come an hour in, I couldn't help but just switch off and, and a lot of things just bounced off my eyes and ears. I just wasn't absorbing them at all. And I thought, I've got a lot of things to bring up here around. She didn't explain this. She didn't explain that. And I thought, 
maybe it did, but you just lost interest. But I don't think that's right, actually. There's no real explanation as to what the noise is. It's an affliction that people have, but I'm correct in saying the origin of it and why it's here is not something that's ever explained, is it? No, it's not. And it's something that is coming from the planet because the aliens, the speckles, they have it as well. The aliens, by the way, that we only see once. We see their town from a distance and we see one alien. And there's supposed to be this threat, oh, don't go out there, there might be aliens there. They meet one alien, one, that he has a bit of a fight with and then that's the end of that. And the aliens are not mentioned again. Even that didn't make sense. So he has a big fight with an alien, gets to the point of going in for the kill. Daisy Ridley stops him. And then the alien, rather than seeing it as, as as his moment to strike, just runs away like a little... I'm not going to put a gender against that. He just runs away. What is he playing at? Yeah, it didn't make any sense. It's as though the alien is sympathetic. Like, he was only defending himself. And it's as though Viola, Daisy Ridley, it's as though she has some deeper understanding of what this alien feels and let's be sympathetic towards him and not kill him even though the evidence that you have is that this alien has hunted you down in the grass and tried to kill you so why what make what has made you say oh no don't kill him to pick up on this point about things that aren't explained you are right things are not explained here's some examples tom holland says we've been walking all night and daisy ridley says it's never it never gets dark here there's two sons not explained, that's it. That's all that gets said. No line back from Tom Holland about, oh yeah, the sun never sets here because there were two, nothing, nothing. It, that is it. That's the whole exchange. The technology doesn't make any sense. They've come down from a spaceship that's traveled 60 years. At some point, they've abandoned technology. There is one line from the mayor of the other town that says, we decided to l- let go of the technology and live simple lives or something. And that is it. There's one line to explain why they're riding horses, they live in wooden barns, but they also have laser guns. And they have a dirt bike, a 20th century dirt bike in a barn when it's 2,200 and they've flown on a spaceship together. Oh, but the dirt bike has a fancy LED display, so it's futuristic. None of it makes sense. It's so annoying. And can I just drill down on this Daisy Ridley thing, right? She crash lands on the planet. Her expectation is that the settlers are expecting her, right? So the first thing that she does is she digs graves for her crewmates and buries them single-handed. Then she tries to secretly steal food from this house, Tom Holland's house, and lives in the woods for a period of time. Why does she do that? Why does she not walk straight into the town and say, hello, fellow humans, I'm also a human. I'm here to give you some supplies, but my ship has crashed. Hi, what's going on? Let's all be friendly and normal. Why is it immediately assumed from everyone that there's this weird tension going on why does she feel that she has to hide and why doesn't she speak 
she acts like Mila Djokovic in The Fifth Element. I've told you this is because it was based on news of the world, and in that original story, the child does not speak for at least half of the film. That's right, yeah. Good they point. had to retain some elements of it. She doesn't come across as intelligent or competent, even though she obviously is, because she's an astronaut that's travelled there, and she was born on a spaceship. She must know what she's doing, but why does she hide in the like pig den and act like an animal? Just talk, explain things, ask what's going on. She just looks at people like she can't talk. It was so annoying. And and similarly, there's no real basis for why Tom Holland feels inclined to help her out. Why is he in direct opposition towards what his colony is, is after, which is ultimately doing away with her? It seems as basic as, oh, it's a girl. It's a girl. Oh, I want to save a girl because we don't have any here. So that's what I'm going to do. That was as basic as my understanding was because there was nothing else given to me. Yes, it is that. It is that pretty much. He is the protagonist. So he has to save the girl. But it also doesn't make sense why Mads Mikkelsen wants to chase down this girl so badly. Because all she's going to do is call the ship and say, oh, yeah, there's still humans here. They can be resupplied. Come down. You know, it's a safe planet. It's in his interest to befriend her and say, yeah, call the ship. Let's be friends. But then when they get here, we'll try and take over. Instead, his plan is to kill her, kidnap her. She's not important. But it's never explained why is he going after her? What? Why does he care so much? No, and you, you can only imagine that the, they've butchered what was in the book here and left probably the least interesting elements. Because, I mean, hearing us now, we both seem pretty miffed about not only the fact that we had to plow an hour and a half, no, nearly two hours of our time into this film, but also spend £15 each. We're annoyed about it, but we're not... Fans of the book, imagine how livid you are if you love this book. This is the ultimate slap in the face, I think. Because don't get me wrong, we both said we've not read the book. This might be a completely accurate portrayal of what is in that book. And therefore, those people are loonies who love the book. What's wrong with them? But I don't think that's the case. I think this is just an abysmal adaptation of a book so you can only imagine how angry the fans are spare a thought for them yeah and did you notice though that the screenplay was written by two people and one of them is the author of the book oh no i didn't notice that so he's he's our final approval on this yeah yeah this was so bad that when it comes up at the end directed by Doug Lyman. I thought you've got some nerve putting your name on straight away on this. It doesn't even do chaos walking Doug Lyman. It doesn't do scrolling credits straight away. It's Tom Holland cut to black directed by Doug Lyman. He has got some nerve. <laughs> you say that though, you don't know whether that's studio interference and they've said, no, you you've delivered this. You're going front and center, mate. Were, were you shame? <laughs> you had years of reshoots and four years to get this to work and you, you've messed it up. Own it. Own it, Doug. James, I think it's all but clear 
Do you recommend Chaos Walking? No. Daniel, do you recommend Chaos Walking? No. The reason and, that... I'll... Sorry, oh. you're not getting out of this scot-free. You said we should review this, and you knew how bad it was likely to be. Damn you, James. Damn you to hell. I did. What a, what a mistake. We should have just done one night in Miami when we had the chance. And I actually watched this on a day off, and then I watched Riot and the Last Dragon on the same day, I think because I was so upset with watching something so bad that I had to watch something good that I felt genuinely motivated to watch, and thank God Riot and the Last Dragon was good. And yet Riot and the Last Dragon accumulated to, what, three minutes worth of, of content, and we've managed to flesh out this shit show for at least 25 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, and we've not even got on to spoilers yet. Do you want to get into spoilers? Let's do it. Bruce Willis. Real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. The big twist is that the reason there are no women in the main town, of which Mads Mickelson is the mayor, where Tom Holland lives, the reason there's no women is that they were all killed. The men all killed the women. They couldn't stand that they couldn't hear their thoughts. They didn't like the new para. They didn't like the power dynamic. So all the women are dead. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. <laughs> it's a pretty major twist. <sighs> Went straight off me. I think that perfectly shows how much I'd switched off towards the end. I, I heard... Tom Holland deliver a bit of dialogue um, that didn't interest me to his what he thought was his father. And he said, father, I'll say that properly, father. And he said, like, why have you lied to me? Didn't know what he was referring to. Daisy Ridley reads out Tom Holland's dead mother's diary and explains all of this. Did you miss that scene? I got up to the bit where she was basically saying, oh, Tom Holland... Well, his character name. How do I not know it? Said it about 50 times. Todd Hewitt, you can have all the women bowing at your feet because you're such a knockout. Not her exact words. And at that point, I thought, oh, I'm done with this. Go and make a brew. Right, okay. So I think when you're going for a brew, that was when Daisy Ridley delivered the right. blow that Mads Mickelson killed all the women. Now, this is a world where all the men's thoughts can be seen all the men are keeping this secret that they killed all the women. How does Tom Holland not know that's what's going on? They'd be thinking about it all the time. Oh, yeah. The whole idea is that you can't keep any secrets for two seconds. When you dream, all your dreams are projected over your head. So Tom Holland will have figured it out by now. Someone will have thought, oh, I can't believe we killed all the women. Someone would have thought that at one point. I wish there were some women here but we killed them all. Oh, look, there's the mayor who told us to kill all the women. I'd be a lot happier now if there were some women here, but they're not because we killed them. That would have been thought at some point. I wish we could get a decent meal around here, but we killed the women. No. Because <laughs> 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 they're, they're a bunch of Neanderthal sexists, so yeah, that is what they think is. Not my thoughts. Yeah, I, I got yeah, I got that's what you meant. Okay. That's that's a really good point that I didn't pick up on, largely because I didn't know the plot twist. But um, yeah, I mean, you could say that 
because we don't know, there might be some explanation in the book whereby if it's a dark, evil thought, those aren't seen. Yeah, could be. Don't know. And when they visit Haven, which is another rubbish town full of bums, that has women in it. And they seem to be living peacefully. And we don't actually see what the power dynamic is in that town. We don't get to see how those men and women interact. We just see Tom Holland speak to the mayor and then they go off again. So again, wasted opportunity to see what how the power dynamics actually play out and completely reduces the impact of Mads Mikkelsen killing all the women. Because just down the road, a few days walk, there's women there normally. And it's suggested that there's other settlements which will also have women in. So there's this one town with about 50 men in it that are all a bit mental. Okay, well, whatever. And to add insult to injury, they go to Haven, not a caravan or convenience store on site at all. So, false advertising. Yeah, appealing to our English audience there. British, sorry, British audience. What did you think of their chemistry together? I did, granted they had no chemistry, but at the end when they didn't kiss, that annoyed me as well. Because having them actually kiss in real life would have been a payoff from the earlier non-kiss. Because they can kiss and then she goes, it's real this time, it's not in your thoughts or something. Mm. And he's like, ooh, it wasn't in my thoughts, it was actually happening. And it shows like spit in between the mouths as they come apart (laughs) (laughs) and it was a real kiss no she just says i'm not gonna kiss you turns around and walks off tom holland looks all embarrassed and that's the last shot of the whole film tom holland standing looking embarrassed so he should be so he should be (laughs) were you not expecting them to kiss at the end do you know what? I never, th- I didn't think about it at the time, but I'm of the opposite opinion to you. I almost admire the fact that they didn't go down that route because it's good that they don't make it about that in the end. But at the same time, as we've kind of said earlier on in this episode, if his only driving force to save her is really, oh, it's a woman. I've never experienced this before. And he is attracted to her. Why wouldn't you have that payoff? But again, on the flip side of it, a bit of admiration for the fact that they didn't make it about a romance for, for a change. Yeah, it is fine to make things about not romance. In Mulan, they don't kiss each other. There's just this little bit of tension and then it, it doesn't happen because it doesn't need it for the story and it's fine. But in this film, it's all about how he's attracted to her and it's embarrassing that he can't hide it. And she can hide it, but there are hints that she's getting on with him quite well. She likes his dog. She laughs. She's upset for him when the dog dies. But you never quite know how she feels. And then at the end, you could reveal, oh, it turns out she does like him as well. That's what I thought. That's what I thought was going to happen. But I I wasn't that bothered. I I hated it. I was happy when it ended. I was so thankful. I, I was checking the time quite a lot. And I thought, oh, 15 minutes, you're getting near to the end now. Thankfully, nearly 10 to 12 minutes worth of credits. That was that was the nicest surprise that I've had 
in years. <laughs> <laughs> when the finale came and I saw there was maybe only 20 minutes left, I was shocked that that was the end because I already knew about the $100 million. And when it becomes clear that there's no big action scene, there's no arrival of, of the ship that leads to a big fight, the finale is quite shocking. Mm. It's rummaging around an old ship. Daisy Ridley fights the preacher. He sets on fire and runs off. And the big finish is Tom Holland projects women around Mads Mikkelsen who gets shocked by it and then falls down a hole. And that's the end fight. It was shockingly bad. For a film like this, you'd expect it to be a, a bigger finish. I'm not saying you need to have Doctor Strange bringing people out of the portals at the end of every film, but for this kind of film, you expect more than someone seeing some holograms and getting scared and falling down a hole. I know we've, or I've said it before, but do you honestly think about what this was before the reshoots? How bad was it? I'd hate to see it. God knows. I I, I was going to say I'd love to see it, but I wouldn't love to see it. It's gone, and I'm happy that we'll never ever see it. There's some weird bits of, of uh, ADR dialogue where it does seem like the exposition has been slotted in. When Mads Mikkelsen sits down with Dave Ridley for the first time, he's explaining what's going on. And it cuts to Daisy Ridley's reaction. There's an obvious ADR line of Mads Mikkelsen saying, remember, the noise doesn't affect the women. Like someone said, we need to explain that a bit more. So they put that line in. But for a cinematic novice and myself in terms of abbreviations, can you remind people what ADR means? Additional dialogue recording. Thank you. Which is where it's basically actors doing voiceovers to add lines over the scenes that have been filmed. I don't want to talk about this anymore, James. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> please, please save yourself £15. Do not rent this film. Don't encourage this sort of behaviour from Hollywood. Don't let them think it's even appropriate to release something as shockingly bad as this, because it's not. It's not fair to anyone. The people involved, whose careers might not be over, the people who watched it will never get that two hours back. It's just not fair. But on to bigger and brighter things. What's next week, James? Next week, at long last, Palm Springs finally released in the UK. I can't wait. I'm really looking forward to this film. And I may even watch it a second and third time because once you've seen it, you'll, you'll, you'll get the joke. <laughs>